Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Imposter, the podcast dedicated to making science more fun and engaging for you, the audience. Now, it is I, your humble host, Amir Fogel, and I hope you're ready for something different, because today on The Imposter, we'll be doing Science, science in the, in headlines. the headlines. headlines. We live in an age based on science and technology with formidable technological powers. And if we don't understand it, by we I mean the general public, if it's something that, oh, I'm not good at that, I don't know anything about it, then who is making all the decisions about science and technology that uh, are going to determine what kind of future our children live in? We've really got to start at the earliest levels with having a broader view of what education really can and should be. Because I find that with the young people we have, we are able to motivate them. Science is all around us. It's in us. Knowledge of science is power. It gives you an understanding of the forces of nature. It's not even about how much science you know. It's about how science Right, welcome back everyone. Now, as I said in the opening, we'll be doing a different format for today's episode. You see, I'm going to take you all on a magic carpet ride of science communication as we go through five science headlines of my choosing. Now, the first one up is one from the New York Times entitled, Resettling the First American Climate Refugees, which I know leaves everybody with a great sense of depression. Uh, and as it should. You see, the article introduces us to a family that has been living on a marshy, swampy isle in Louisiana for many, many generations, as have many of the folks on the isle that come from mostly Native American descent. Now, due to an increase in the frequency of flooding and the fact that they are on the front lines for future extreme coastal flooding, as well as sea level rise, this is one of the first communities in the world to be a part of a resettling campaign for people that are especially susceptible to the effects of climate change due to their residential location. Now, the relocation of the 60 people living on the Isle has been federally funded as it's part of a bold and strong move by the U.S. government's Department of Housing and Urban Development, which has allocated $1 billion worth of grants this past January to help communities around the country transition into this next and kind of terrifying phase of climate change. Now, hopefully this type of action won't just be a precedent set for the U.S., but for the world, as this is going, well, as this is already a global problem. Now, all that said, it's not as simple and peachy keen as that. Number one, not all the residents want to leave, as this is the land that they've grown up on and lived on, as have their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and so on and so forth. And so to, to leave, I mean, that's, that's a big and emotional deal. You know, you don't, just, you don't just leave something that has that much personal value to you. Now, the second thing is that the actual relocation isn't an easy operation to carry out as it's already been tried three times since 2002 and to no avail. And this failure to relocate has been due to both complications in logistics and politics. Now, speaking of politics brings us on to the third point which is that this isle has been plagued by decades of industries drilling 
and logging and damming and dredging the land, exacerbating the situation. And so again, this community's kind of gotten the poop end of the stirring stick because things have gotten worse. Not necessarily their fault, but again, that's politics, isn't it? So that's a very brief overview, but there's actually a lot more in the piece. So I would definitely suggest checking out this very interesting article. And, you know, it poses some very difficult questions, both now and for the future. So, again, I would highly recommend reading this article. The link can be found on the Imposter blog. Moving on to number two. On the topic of climate change, we now go to an article from I Fucking Love Science, the website, reporting on, and get ready, this is a mouthful, the fourth international symposium on the ocean in a high CO2 world. And let me tell you folks, the future at this point in time looks pretty bleak. So, like our previous imposter guest, good friend and current PhD student, Roe Allen has explained before on this podcast, a future marine environment with a lowered pH does not, I repeat, does not bode well for marine inhabitants. And subsequently, the adverse response observed throughout the food web will affect the fishing industry as well. So, the article consults with a Dr. Bronte Tilbrook of Australia's Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization, or CERO. Ooh, I really like that. Ooh, CERO. That's smooth. Cool. Now, Dr. Tilbrook gives us a bit of a rundown on what the effects of ocean acidification will have in the coming years. Now, this article is short, but touches on a few important points addressing why ocean acidification is important to the marine environment, citing, for example, a tweet from Plymouth University's very own Professor Steve Whittacombe on the change in behavior of some squid possibly due to ocean acidification. The article then goes on to address why it's going to be important to us fiscally, both from the fishing and the tourist tourism perspective, and finally, it addresses what some possible solutions might be. Now, there is a lot more in the article. I've kept it a bit vague because I am hoping to entice you all to check it out, which you should. It's on the blog. You can also check out the symposium, if you'd like to learn more about it, at www.highco2-iv, as in the IV you put in your arm when you go to the hospital and you're dehydrated dot org forward slash a link to which can also be found on the blog now while I'm on the topic of climate change I just want to take this time because that reminds me I was recently reading an article in the ecologist online about the news the most recent news about the TTIP or the transatlantic trade and investment partnership now, for those of you that aren't familiar and don't know, it's a trade deal extended between the European Union and the United States, and it's been a bit controversial because it could potentially not just impact many business sectors, but also impact quite a lot the environment, as much of the agreement deals with the fossil fuel industry. Now, this article goes on to explain that new recently leaked documents of the TTIP and they were leaked by Greenpeace Netherlands, show just how extensive the corporate acquisition in this deal really is. And it kind of points out the irony because we've just come out of the COP21 Paris Summit not that long ago 
which was a huge deal for future climate change uh, legislation and regulations. And now we have the TTIP being kind of signed a bit secretly. And it's just, I mean, the wording and structure of this trade agreement is so environmentally negligent, it's a bit embarrassing. All right, I am stepping down from the soapbox. Apologies if that went on a bit long. But if you are interested in reading more about that, you can always find a link to that on the Imposter blog. All right, let's move on to number three. So, I actually was hoping that we would have something a bit, uh, a bit happier after such news from number two, but number three is actually also pretty sad. So, the third article I read is one from The Guardian, and it's actually a story that is being revisited from a few years ago. Now, I don't know, some of you might remember hearing about a woman from Stamford, Connecticut, who got mauled by a chimpanzee in 2009. Charla Nash has been missing a hand, an eye, her nose, lips, and eyelids since her grueling encounter with her employer's chimp seven years ago. Now... In 2011, both the Pentagon and the U.S. military helped fund a face transplant for Charla uh, in the hopes that it would lead to some discoveries for wounded soldiers and the many transplants that they unfortunately have to endure. Everything seemed to be going well for Charla and her face transplant, until now that is. You see, now, it seems, Charla's transplanted face has begun to be rejected by her body. You might be wondering, Amir, what is the cause for this rejection? Tell me or I will choke you. Just kidding, I don't mean to get that violent. I will tell you though. So, for those of you that don't know, people that get transplants and uh, uh, from donors that are not themselves, that are from foreign bodies, they have to go on drug therapy called immunosuppressants for the rest of their life. And what these immunosuppressants do is they prevent the person's immune system from attacking the donor's transplanted organ. So, you know, it, it's, it's literally a foreign body, and your, and your own body is saying, hey, that's not supposed to be here, we're going to attack it. And these immunosuppressants be like, chill, man, let's just, let's just all chill. Now, unfortunately, there are side effects of that. You can get cancer, your immune system is down so you're more susceptible to getting sick and other diseases so you know if you if you could avoid it people would want to and so that's pretty much what Charla's doctors were trying to do you see they were slowly weaning her off of her immunosuppressant drugs and unfortunately as you can guess by the headline her body has started to reject the face transplant because of that now her doctors, I, I believe, have started or will start to put her back on the immunosuppressant therapy uh, soon to see if that will reverse the rejection. And it's exciting because this is research that is going to be very useful and very helpful for many people, for veterans, for victims of car crashes and various other accidents. And So it, it's going to be huge. I would follow this, and you can always find out more about Charla's story on the blog. All right, let's let's move on to something a bit more cheerful. Well, if not cheerful, at least not not as depressing. So, number four is an article from Popular Science, and it's pretty cool. See, scientists at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory have recently discovered a fourth state of water. 
Now we're all familiar with the first three. There's liquid, solid, or gas. But now these researchers have observed water molecules to exhibit quantum tunneling when compressed between hexagonal barrel crystals. Now we're going to get to what quantum tunneling is if you don't remember, but just for those of you that are avid uh, imposter listeners, you might recall episode number 12, which was the one about science behind superpowers. And in it, we talked about the X-Men character Kitty Pride, also known as Shadowcat, and her ability to phase through objects and barriers, possibly using quantum tunneling. So let's do a quick recap now. For those that don't remember, on the atomic and subatomic level, particles like electrons act like little kids after birthday cake, and they just can't stand still. And so they give the appearance of vibrating, making it very hard to tell exactly where they're located. So thus, we deal with these particles on that level as probabilities. So, for example, if we shoot an electron at a door thousands of times, there's a probability that the electron will tunnel through that door and end up on the other side, or even inside the door. Well, it seems that the water molecules, when compressed by these barrel crystals, display a similar behavior and tunnel through the crystals. I mean, that's some pretty dope shit right there. Just saying. And actually, you know what? That's the second big announcement to come out of Oak Ridge National Laboratory in the last month that has to deal with a new state of matter. So, if you want to find out more about this particular one, or you want to find out what the other big discovery of matter was, you'll just have to check out the blog and find out. Because until then, it will remain a mystery. Alright, sorry about that. Last but not least, mi amigos, numero cinco. Staying on the aquatic theme that this episode has clearly chosen, we have an article from Gizmodo addressing a theory proposed way back in 1878 by Carl Giegenbauer, essentially saying that human limbs evolved from the gills of fish. Now, while Mr. Giegenbauer came up with his theory based on observations of the anatomy of gills, the most recent research supporting this idea was tested through playing around with certain genes. You're going to like this. Ready? All right. The article looks at a study done at Cambridge University where a gene literally called Sonic Hedgehog. I know, right? Awesome. So, yeah, this, this Sonic Hedgehog gene is responsible for some pretty important things when it comes to embryonic development. Things like cell growth, assigning cell specialization, the alignment and shape of the body, you know, very casual minor things like that, not. Um, so these researchers played around with the Sonic Hedgehog gene during different stages of development of skate embryos and found that indeed there were similarities in the development of gills to the formation of limbs and digits in humans. Has this piqued your interest? Definitely piqued mine. Obviously, I chose it. That's why. But if it has, like I've said the last four times, check out the blog for a link to this article. All right, folks. That is all we're going to do today. We're going to do this as a bit of a short episode because that's what you all like, apparently. I like doing long ones like the Joe Rogan podcast, but... Whatever, y'all are weird like that, and I pander to you because you're the audience. Weird. Anyway, as always, thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. It really means a lot, but don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family. Send this to someone you know might be interested because 
spread the love and spread the message, you know? People need to know about the imposter. It's just rude not to. Uh, if you feel so inclined, please, please humor this individual and like and share The Imposter on Facebook, SoundCloud, subscribe to The Imposter on iTunes in the iTunes Music Store, keyword The Imposter Podcast. Shocker, I know. And you can do that if you'd like to get weekly updates on new episodes. All right, folks, other than that, we are done for the day, so we will see you next week. Have a fantastic weekend. And remember, last thing, you vote with your dollars everywhere and every day for everything. So do your research, find out what the causes that you actually care about are, and don't just put nice Facebook posts up. Put some action behind those words, you know what I'm saying? So don't buy tuna or swordfish, and... uh, Try, try and be sustainable. That's all. That's all. No more preaching. We will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.